Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Roundup. I'm recording this before I head to the Retro World Expo, where I'll be doing a panel with the HD Retrovision guys. So hopefully I'll get some good footage of that in the Expo itself to stick in at the end of this. And uh, for now, let's just start with the news. Someone has just released a ROM hack of Super Mario 64 called Last Impact. It seems pretty awesome. It looks like they redid the entire game. Um, I haven't had time to test it on real hardware yet, so please leave in the comments if you guys tested it on an EverDrive or something. But if you're a Super Mario 64 fan, this definitely looks like something worth checking out. A Kickstarter was just launched for the unreleased SNES game Socks the Cat. I guess this was a game that never made it to completion because the studio closed, and people had found most of the original files from it and wanted to bring it back to life. So they're going to be offering an actual cartridge as well as ROM downloads, which means I'm sure the ROM will hit the internet for everybody immediately, which is good because that way people that collect the games like this would actually have a real official cartridge and people that would just want to try it out could get the ROM. So it kind of works for everybody. And they actually have the original rights to the game. So all of this is legit. This isn't somebody just taking an old canceled game and reverse engineering it or anything. So I'm not sure if the game is going to be any good or if it's something I'd really be interested in but it's cool that they're keeping it alive and I really am looking forward to trying it. This isn't really news, but I recently stumbled across a YouTube video that claims that it showcases modern Metroidvania games. So Metroidvania meaning kind of like Super Metroid and Castlevania Symphony of the Night. So it's an open world that you could wander around and have different save points in. And the video shows a few different games that they claim are new games for newer systems, but are really true to the originals like that, in the same style of gameplay. And for me, the only game, the newer game I've played like that, has been um, Axiom Verge, which I loved. I really loved Shovel Knight too, but that, for me, was more of like an adventure game. It kind of reminded me more of like uh, DuckTales meets Mega Man with save points. And I mean that as a huge compliment, by the way. It certainly wasn't any negativity in that statement, but... Um, I was just wondering if anybody's played them. Maybe we could start a discussion about this and see, are these really modern Metroidvania games? Is this something a retro gamer really would actually like? And if so, I'd love to play them, and I'd love for all of us to kind of talk about them, and maybe I'll stick up a page on the site, too, that has a list of all the ones that we recommend. But I was definitely looking forward to hearing your guys' opinion about it. A quick update to the GameCube video board, the HDMI kit for the GameCube. Badass Consoles recently tweeted that there was a manufacturing issue with one of the flex cables, but that it should be cleared up within a week or two. Uh, he said 10 days in the tweet, but I mean, with you know the manufacturing and shipping, I'd think more like two to three weeks. But uh, hopefully everything will be back on track and those boards will be able to get installed fairly soon. So I'm crossing my fingers because I'm really looking forward to that. Next, I got a fun little fact for fans of the game character Luigi. Apparently, they changed his look between the Super Mario World game and the Super Mario All-Stars Mario World combo game. 
I actually never knew this, and I think any Super Nintendo fan might not have realized it either, but I guess they wanted to differentiate his character more, so when they released Super Mario All-Stars Super Mario World, they changed him. I actually learned this from a, a video from Did You Know Gaming, a series on YouTube, which is usually pretty good. They have a bunch of really fun facts about consoles, games, and everything else, so I'll link to their channel and their video as well, but I just kind of thought that was a fun little thing to share, because I never played the combo game. I'd played Mario World, obviously. It's actually my favorite Mario game. And then I played Mario All-Stars, which was the remake of Mario 1, 2, 3, and Lost Levels. So it was kind of cool to actually see the difference, because I just never even knew that existed. The company Pico Interactive just opened pre-orders for the next round of cartridge games that they're selling. So I guess Pico Interactive is a company that wants to make newer games for older consoles and release them on actual cartridges. So Genesis, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Boy, all that stuff. And I really don't know anything about them, other than the news I've read about them here and there. So what do you guys think? Has anybody had any interaction with them? Do they make good games? You know, is it a good company that makes stuff exactly for collectors? Or is it some company that's just trying to take advantage of people that like playing retro games? I don't know anything about them. So um, is it somebody, a company I should get on for an interview? You guys let me know what you think. Um, and hopefully it's just a cool company trying to make cool games. But I'm just always a little leery of people that jump into things right when the, um, you know, right when it gets popular like they have a 75 dollar jaguar game for sale i mean why would i pay 75 dollars for a jaguar game so hopefully i'm wrong hopefully you know you guys will comment and let me know you know these guys are awesome they do this for the fans but 75 dollars for a jaguar game the web store think geek is at it again making completely useless stuff that i really really want to buy <laughs> Um, this latest one is essentially just a notebook, but on the front of it, there's something that looks like a NES controller, and it looks like there's really has contoured buttons and stuff on it. So uh, it's basically literally just a notebook with a cool cover, and the inside page, I guess, has pictures of NES controllers, but it's 25 bucks. I don't have the room for any of this stuff anymore. I'm obviously completely running out of room as it is, but this is totally something where if I still went to a lot of business meetings and had to take notes and stuff, I would absolutely walk in with one of these just so everybody would immediately know that I am a nerd and that's what they're going to have to deal with for the rest of the meeting. So um, hopefully if you guys like nerdy crap like me, maybe you'd want to buy it, but if not, the picture was cool enough to show in the roundup. Nintendo posted kind of a cool article on their Japanese website about somebody that got to go into their warehouse and unbox and play an old Famicom and Famicom disk system. And it was really neat. Um, I tried to understand the article, but Google Translate is pretty bad, and I don't speak Japanese, unfortunately. But the pictures were cool from what I got of the article through the bad translation. It just seemed pretty neat. And I guess they must have done this to promote the Famicom Mini or the NES Mini, NES Classic Mini, whatever they're going to call it, NES Classic. But, uh, you know, it was just kind of neat, and I figured I would pass it along so NES fans could enjoy the pictures and people who actually spoke Japanese could enjoy the real article. And lastly, one of the developers from the Dreamcast HDMI project posted a bunch of really cool updates right here in the Weekly Roundup YouTube comments. So I thought that was really awesome. But he posted a ton of great information, so I think I'm just going to hit the, the main points, and I'll link in the description to anybody that wants the full details. 
But basically, they're just going to release the HDMI board first for the Dreamcast. So the last time I reported on any of it, they had a bunch of really cool additions and things like emulator, FPGA support built in. But for now, they're just having the HDMI board, which will still have on-screen display that you could control with the Dreamcast controller. And I personally, my opinion is that is a really smart move. People very badly want this HDMI mod. The other features are amazing, but it's not something that's as critical, in my opinion, so I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody that needs the other stuff, but I just know a ton of people that would just want to install this and have HDMI support so that they could play their Dreamcast on their flat screens. I think Dreamcast looks great on my HDTV. Mine has a VGA input, and it processes 480p very nicely, but a lot of people's don't. So I think it's a really great addition, and especially because it could be outputted in HD. Um, he said this board is actually targeted for use with multiple consoles. So in the future, they're going to try to port it for use in things like the original Xbox, the PlayStation consoles, uh, Neo Geo, 3DO, and even the CDI, which is absolutely ridiculous to think of the CDI with an HDMI mod, which means I'm totally going to have to do it as soon as it's released. Um, and he also said that he wants to try to target um, some handheld consoles as well, both for the TV out capabilities, but also because a newer board could drive an L a newer LCD a lot easier, kind of like what McWill does with the Atari Lynx and the Game Gear mods, so that you could have um, you know a newer, higher quality LCD screen right inside your older handheld. So all of these things are pretty awesome, and I um, you know I'm really looking forward to to anything they come up with and to testing it. And uh, they also said things like uh, machines like the Genesis and the Super Nintendo and Saturn are going to take a lot more time to figure out for HDMI because of the way the video is processed, but it's something that they're thinking of. So hopefully in the future we could have it. I would love a SNES HDMI mod, but that's years away, it seems like, at the moment. Um, and he also reported on a few other little things, like he's also working on ROM carts as well. And uh, I love that, that he's working on a ton of different projects, and I like that multiple people are working on the same things too, because two sets of eyes are always better than one. It's just my hopes that he concentrates on the stuff that isn't available yet or isn't or won't be available within the next few months, so that way we could really get the stuff that we've all been waiting for. I know I personally have always wanted a, a good Jaguar ROM cart, so um, he said he's working on one as well, but Saints Jaguar ROM cart's probably coming out soon enough too, so I guess we'll see. Um, and I would absolutely love to have him on for an interview, so... Uh, you know, it's an open invitation, man. If you ever want to come on, you're more than welcome. I'm sure everybody would love to hear what you have to say and, uh, you know, any stories you got about what's coming up and what you guys are going through. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much for the update. Very cool that you posted it right in the comments for everybody to see. Um, and I'll keep everybody posted uh, if I hear any more from them. Now on to the Q&A stuff. First, uh, my buddy Justin, a.k.a. the Goodwill Hunter, wanted to point out that when I said Khan, as in Conrad's name, the person who was interviewed last week, it reminded him of Khan from Star Trek. My name is Khan. My true name is Khan. Okie doke. I'm Kirk. These are my friends, Spock and Bones. Hello. Hi there. You must have misheard. I said... My name is Khan. Is that supposed to mean something? Seriously, guys, Wrath of Khan? Star Trek II? Come on, not ringing any bells? Nope. What's Star Trek? I have no idea. No one here has seen Wrath of Khan? 
It's like the best one in the whole series. Jim, this man is clearly unstable. Agreed. Gas and bones. What? Next, the importer asked, do I plan on trying a Retro Freak system? So the Retro Freak is kind of like the Retron 5 in that it's a software emulator that plays actual real cartridges as well as ROMs off of an SD card, unlike the Retron 5 where you can't play ROMs off of the SD unless you have it hacked. Uh, and the answer is no, I really had no interest in it because I thought other than the fact that it played ROMs, it's the exact same as the Retron 5, same type of software and everything else, same horrible lag. And to be honest, if I was going to do emulation like that, I would just use a retro, um, a Raspberry Pi and then the software recall box. Um, and that one's been the only just painless, you know, plug and play awesome software. Um, I'll leave a link in the description, but basically I just, uh, you know, burned the ISO to an, a micro SD card, plugged it in, loaded ROMs, and everything worked fine. I liked it better than all the other, um, uh, like, pre-configured emulation things for the Raspberry Pi, and I just thought it worked perfect. So um, that would be my choice for emulation on a flat screen, um, and I wouldn't spend the 200 bucks or something on a Retro Freak, but... I guess some people do like it, and it is a way if you want to play your original car cartridges, but uh, no, I mean, it's just nothing that I'd be interested in. Next, Kelly Greenidge asked if anybody is selling any of the SNES MSU1 audio ROM hacks on an actual cartridge. And I think no, and I think it's because the MSU audio chip isn't an actual chip. It's a software thing designed to be run either on the SD2 SNES or through an, an emulator. So I don't know if anybody had actually um, flashed that to a chip yet. And if so, it might actually cost as much as the FPGA that you would use for an SD2 SNES anyway. But if they did, I would buy it in a heartbeat. I mean, the thought of like a real Zelda Ancient Stone Tablets cartridge with maybe like a switch on the side to switch between the weeks or something, I think that would be killer and I would totally buy one of those. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, especially the guys that are, make all the repros, but I don't think it's possible. Uh, but I would love if somebody figured it out. Next, iCashO wanted to know if anybody had heard any updates on the PSIO project. So that's that optical drive emulator that plugs into the serial port of PlayStation consoles and allows you to play PlayStation games from an SD card. Uh, I'd like to know as well. Uh, I emailed about a month after I had pre-ordered mine, and then about a month after that, they'd finally responded and said, hey, sorry, we're really busy, but we're on it. It'll be, you know, it'll be in the fall. Well, I mean, it's October now, and no one's really heard anything from them. So hopefully they're just busy and, and putting it through, and we'll all get ours soon, but... Yeah, I would also like a little bit more communication for those guys, even if it's just a general post on social media or on their webpage or something. So if anybody knows anything specific, you know, maybe post in the comments and let us know. And lastly, there was a conversation in the comments with Mr. Fathead about, sorry, Mr. Fathead, <laughs> about the Super Game Boy. Um, I'd like to actually show the Super Game Boys themselves, but Mark from My Life in Gaming actually still has all of mine for their upcoming Game Boy video whenever they are able to get around to it. But I have the boxes, so good enough. Um, the Super Game Boy was something that was released for the Super Nintendo that allowed you to play Game Boy games right through the Super Nintendo. Now, this was essentially like a Game Boy in a Super Nintendo cart, and it had all of the original Game Boy hardware in it, except the screen, of course. Um, and that's actually why uh, 
if you use the optical audio hack where you could actually install the SPDIF digital audio board in the Super Nintendo, it won't work with the Super Game Boy because this generates its own audio. Uh, but anyway, um, for whatever reason, the Super Game Boy was released with a timing that was different than the original Game Boy. I think it ran a little bit faster. Um, and it, I don't know why. It just didn't make any sense. But Japan got the Super Game Boy too. Um, it wasn't released anywhere else in the world, uh, and it came in a very cool blue color. But this ran at close to the original Game Boy speed, so you don't get as much of the stutter. And it also had a link cable port so that you could hook up an actual Game Boy to it as the second player, which seems pretty cool. Um, it's a great solution, and I really enjoy it, but the aspect ratio is still a little bit off, probably so it would fill a 4x3 TV. Um, but as you can see from the picture the Game Boy Player actually outputs the correct aspect ratio. And this is something that's been verified by myself and a bunch of others. But um, And it's really just a matter of preference. I personally really like the Super Game Boy. And for original Game Boy games, it's really kind of a hard choice. Uh, at least now, now that there's not um, a direct HDMI out solution. There was going to be a few released over the past few years, but none of them have come to fruition yet. Um, but for Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, you know, you kind of have to use the Game Boy Player because there really isn't another solution. But for original Game Boy, um, I, I've been telling people the truth in that the Game Boy Player with the Game Boy Interface software is the most accurate way now to do it. But the Super Game Boy 2 is awesome, and it's something that, you know, if you're a Super Nintendo fan and a Game Boy fan, and especially if you have RGB capabilities, I would I would definitely give it a try. They're still very inexpensive, and, um, you know, it's just kind of a neat collector's item to have anyway. So, And you could use them on all North American SNESs as well. You just have to snip the tabs, same for any Japanese game. Um, so, yeah, I just figured I would run through that because I don't think I'd ever really talked about the Super Game Boy or the Game Boy stuff that much on, um, on the roundups. And as soon as some of the crazier solutions come out for Game Boy on TV, I'll be going through those as they're released. Um, and I'll just eventually do a much more in-depth video on all this stuff. And I know My Life in Gaming is going to be doing a lot of great stuff on this as well. And their videos are already better than mine anyway. So looking forward to all that. Okay, up next is Scott and I at the Retro World Expo in Connecticut. But first, just a couple of really, really quick updates. Um, I'm actually moving to Manhattan in a few weeks. And while that won't change the roundup, I'm definitely still doing a weekly roundup. Um, I have no idea what the background's going to look like. I'm assuming it's going to be, you know, a corner of a closet-sized apartment because everything in Manhattan's tiny. Um, and it definitely will still be once a week, but I'm not sure if I'll have to move it to Tuesday instead of Monday based on my schedule. But um, it's definitely going to be one of those two days. Not a big deal. Uh, same content and everything, just maybe a crappier background. Not that this is a nice background or anything, but whatever. At least it's at least there's retro games in there. Um, you know, there's I I already am starting to box stuff up, so you could already kind of see stuff missing back there, which uh, sucks because I love this apartment, but. What can you do? I mean, I got views of, you know, half the city on this side, uh, my uh, apartment. That's kind of like the country area. And then if you keep going around to the other side, which you can't really see, I got all of downtown Stanford. So I'm really going to miss the shit out of this place. But yeah, such is life, I guess. Um, and the other thing is uh, I need to make room, so I have to get rid of a, a couple of extras. No RGB monitors. Everybody always asks me that. But um, 
uh, I have a DVDO upscaler um, in a couple of Sega Master System consoles with the RGB bypass already done. So if anybody's interested in any of those specifically, please email me and let me know because uh, I'd be able to get rid of those for just what I paid for them. And I just want to avoid eBay because eBay fees are ridiculous. So if my cost for something is 200 bucks, I'd have to sell it for like 250 on eBay in order just to break even. So if anybody's interested in that, let me know. Uh, and if not, I'll see you guys next week, and uh, here's us at the Expo. Hey guys, I'm here with uh, HD Retrovision, Nathan Steve. What's up, guys? Hey, We are at the uh, Retro World Expo. We're doing a panel here, and uh, we're going to wander around and see whatever else they have here to, uh, to sell. What did you guys find? Did you guys buy anything here? I spent probably uh, 300 bucks on stuff already. Anything that stands out or just random junk you want? Just random stuff. I, mean, I came here telling myself I'm only going to get NES games and then I've got like three 64 games. I got a, some Genesis games fully completed in the shell. The only way I want them. So. Yeah. Yeah, my OCD, I wouldn't buy a cartridge only now. I want it all. That, you know, the nice little It's games. so perfect. Yeah. Alright, well, uh, we're going to wander around, I'll show you guys a video of it, and then I'll get a video of the panel later, so uh, we'll see you in a minute. Uh, Star Wars arcade mods, and spinner controllers for like Tempest and stuff. What, you see one? No, but that's what they would use it for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey guys, we just got back from the Retro World Expo. Um, I had a blast, how about you? I had a really good time, yeah. It's the second year that we've done it, and yep. uh, it was just as good as last time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I actually had more fun. Nothing was wrong with last year, I just kind of had more fun this year, to be honest with you. Yeah? I just enjoyed it. It might have been there's a little bit less, uh, you know, stress, because it was we'd done it before, you know? Like... Yeah, yeah, and I actually had never met the HD Retrovision guys before in person. I'd only talked to them like once or twice, and... So, you know, they seemed cool, but once we hung out with them, then they actually, yeah, they're fun 100%, guys. Yeah. So, now it was really cool to get back with them again this year and say hello. Um, what was your favorite part, other than the panel? The panel was fun. The panel was my favorite part, actually. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> it was a lot we, of fun. It was, it, was, it was nice and fun. Uh, you guys should watch the video when he posts it on the, on the YouTube channel. Um, I do get a little bit of a geek pleasure out of just wandering around and like looking for diamonds in the rough. Mm -hmm. So I really did enjoy just looking at all the vendors and all that kind of stuff. But um, besides that, the easy vote was uh, playing Mortal Kombat with you on the cabinet. Yeah, because I no longer have uh, have that machine. My buddy James bought it, so it was having another Mortal Kombat battle with you again. That was. Uh... That was fun. I actually think my favorite thing was meeting Daniel Piscina, the guy who was Johnny Cage and then Scorpion Sub-Zero, anybody that was that same type of ninja with the mask and the shoulder pads, shoulder pad, whatever, whatever that he was. He was in the, in the ninja costume, right, the Mortal Kombat yeah. ninja costume. Any Mortal Kombat ninja costume for the first two games was Daniel Piscina, and he, he was really cool, it was fun to meet him, he was a super nice guy, he signed stuff for us, we posed, of course, in front of the Mortal Kombat machine. It's his Mortal Kombat machine, I guess, we were playing on, right? Yeah. Right next to him, right? I believe so, yeah, it was really cool. So that, that was a lot, what a trip, like, my, you know, to meet somebody... 
No, I've, I, I've been, you know, he's been doing a split and punching me in the ball since we were <laughs> <laughs> since we were kids. So that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that. And um, I was able to pick up really cheap Game Boy Advances, so I'll be able to send that to uh, the guy working on the Game Boy Advance TV Out project. So I could just now I finally have uh, four, I think, to send him to just pull apart and do what he wishes. But That'll be exciting. Yeah, I, f I found some good finds too. I got a Atari driving controller, which I want to use for. Spinnerama, um, the ROM hack on the Vectrix, so right, you can right. play Vectrix games with the spinner controller. Um, I got a repro of Mario Cement Factory for Nintendo Game & Watch, oh, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yep. And I got a $2 uh, Nintendo DS game called Word Jong, hmm. because apparently I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, the prices on a lot of the vendors varied pretty wildly. Um, I bought, you know, a complete in box Super Nintendo. You probably can't see it; it's just out of frame. But I got it for eighty bucks, complete in box. That was awesome. But somebody was uh, selling a Turbo Duo for five hundred bucks, or a PC Engine Duo. And I, I usually like, I try so hard to just be nice to everybody. And usually, when somebody tells me an outrageous price, I'm just like, oh, okay. And you know, somebody was like, oh, they wanted two hundred dollars for a Turbo Graphics sixteen with nothing else in it. And, you know, I asked the guy how much the Turbo Duo was. He goes, yeah, it's $506. And I just went, why? Like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get it. I thought, I, I thought it was me. I thought I was missing something. Like, oh, well, you know, it obviously has this or that. But... And it can wash your car. Yeah, yeah. I just... <laughs> so, but there wasn't too many of those. For the most part, everybody was very cool. Some great deals. Most were just basic and fair. But it was all in one place. So that was kind of a lot of fun, too, just to see the different stuff. And it was cool to be surrounded by like-minded geeks. It has a good attitude, a good vibe around the whole place. Yeah, definitely. I didn't, you know, and it was fun to uh, to run into people that recognized me from the website. It, it was very nice of everybody that that said hi to me. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. That was that was a blast. But yeah, the panel was still my favorite part. Awesome crowd, a lot of great questions, fun response. That was a, uh, you know, that, that was really enjoyable. And you know, Steve and Nick, they've become friends at this point. So it's just uh, you know good to hang out with friends and talk nerd shop and have a couple beers and relax. So yeah, for sure. Cool. Definitely. Alright, well, uh, you know, thanks again for watching. We'll see you next week. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it, right? Have fun, everybody. Take care.